Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs right here on the Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia. Glad to have you back. Hey, listen, the Spurs have started off three in a row. That's right, three wins in a row and are 3-0 to start the young season. That's some good news, but we're going to take a look back at the first three games to see uh, what we like, what we don't like out of your San Antonio Spurs. And then later on the show, we're going to put into the spotlight DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he's been playing pretty good to start the season, but uh, we're going to dive deeper into what he's been showing on the court. And to do that, I am joined by Joe Garcia of Two Shots Podcast. Let me mind, let me remind everybody, Joe, a very sleepy Joe Garcia, because this man, he was up at all hours of the night just working hard, weren't you? Yeah, I was working hard. You know, we're doing this little, you know, post-game recap show now. Uh, called the Spurs Takeover. So we do that after every game, or try to. And then my friend Taro Katani's in town, so I have to wake up and early and then go pick him up, and then we have to go meet the mayor. So I just barely got home just a short time ago, and I'm just a little tired, Jeff. <laughs> i got to say I'm sleepy. <laughs> well, let's make this as uh, easy and painless as possible then, Joe. One thing that will put a spell in your face and maybe not make you feel so tired and make you feel that it was worth it staying up late is that the Spurs are undefeated to start the season. 3-0 coming off a win over the Portland Trailblazers, 113-110. Uh, the game uh, was literally two tails of the halves. You know, the Spurs were down 19 at one point in the first half. They were up by 19, and yeah, it, gave, it became a nail-biter at the end. And they also coming off a, a hard-fought win versus the Knicks and a close call against the Wizards. Joe, when you look back at the Spurs, a 3-0 start, what stands out for you? The inconsistency on the transition defense. Uh, it just seems that at a time the Spurs are late getting back, which doesn't bode well for them. Uh, they seem to not be able to sustain leads. They, they give those up. They let teams yeah. right back into the mix. And it's the inconsistencies on the defensive front that are a little concerning to me, but it's only three games in the season. So we got to wait a little bit and see how that pans out. But that's one of the things that does stick out at me, Jeff. Yeah. You know, you're talking about defense and that has been an issue for me, uh, at least in the first three games. Now I get it. A win's a win. It doesn't matter how they get a win. Cause at the end of the day, it goes down as a W Joe, but there are trends that they need to stop because they're about to face a very tough Clippers team with a person that many Spurs fans are familiar with Kawhi Leonard. Look, perimeter defense has been an issue, especially at the three-point line. Uh, we saw the Blazers just go uh, nuts from the three-point line in the first half and then connected on five of five. We saw former Spurs Davis Bertans just light up the Spurs from deep, also perfect from the three-point line. Joe, I thought with the return of Murray and, of course, White off the bench, that perimeter defense wouldn't be an issue. But so far it has, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that has more to do with uh, DeJounte playing limited minutes. I believe right now he's only averaging 20 minutes per game, which is about five minutes per quarter. Uh, he'll play a little bit more from time to time, but I think that's them trying to get him out of the game. Sometimes he'll go for 23 minutes. Maybe he might go for a little more, but Pop is keeping a close eye on that. And it seems at those times when DeJounte has to exit the game, uh, that's when the Spurs are, are not playing to their full potential. They have issues on that defensive front, letting teams right back in get a little bit sloppy, get a little bit, you know, they're getting cute with the ball. And it, you can tell, you, you can see that there's something missing out there. And that is DeJounte Murray. So I think with him playing limited minutes, this will probably be the norm 
for the Spurs for at least, you know, maybe the first 10 to 12 games of the regular season. Yeah, look, um, I think that's basically what it is right now and why we're seeing the Spurs perimeter defense be a little bit of a flux right now. Popovich went out and just admitted that Murray is on a limited uh, minute restriction and that especially coming on a second game of a back-to-back, he's going to be severely limited to five minutes per game, um, per quarter, excuse me, according to Popovich. So what that happens is that then you got guys like Brent Forbes and Bellinelli and, and, and Mills come in and let's face it, Joe, they're not really known for defense, are they? No, not too much, especially Marco Beninelli. I love Marco. Marco's only getting those minutes because he can shoot the three. Beyond that, he's a liability on the defensive front. But you know what, Jeff? That off-balance jumper, that's an art form. And you got to admit, Marco Beninelli is an artiste of that. <laughs> that he is, Joe. But there's a guy that's on that bench by the name of... Lonnie Walker, and uh, oh, no. he's not seen a lot of minutes on the uh, at least on the on the floor. And a lot of Spurs fans are up in arms. He could provide some defense, but maybe just maybe Popovich doesn't feel confident yet in the young guard. Yeah, a lot of Spurs fans are mad. You know, they're up in arms. Spurs Twitter wants to burn the whole damn thing down already because Lonnie's not getting minutes, and we just got to be patient. Look, like you said, Jeff. Right now, Coach Pop is monitoring DeJounte Murray's minutes. I believe there was even a report uh, in the Express News specifically alluding to Coach Pop will not play Lonnie Walker on back-to-backs, at least early on in the season. That means that Lonnie Walker could get some run, could get some really decent minutes out there. So Spurs fans just need to kind of calm down a little bit. As I had alluded to early on, Lonnie will get his time to shine. It's just there's not a lot of minutes to go around. And right now, Pop is going with veterans. He doesn't like uh, inserting uh, the younger generation of Spurs fans right into the fire. He wants to get his offense set a little bit more. But Lonnie's time will come. We just got to be patient. Yeah, uh, Popovich seems to be having a short leash still with the young Spurs players, especially Lonnie Walker, much to the chagrin of a lot of Spurs fans. And you're right, with uh, with DeJounte getting that very severely limited restriction coming off the same game at a back-to-back, Pop likely is going to go to Lonnie, hopefully crossing fingers to see what the young guard can do in those situations. Uh, Joe, one thing that I want to just spotlight in a positive way in this three-game winning streak is the play of Derek White. Now, look, maybe he started off pretty rough versus the Knicks. Uh, beating about nine points, something like that. But he's now in a different role now. He's now coming off that bench. Uh, Last season, he started 55 games. Last season, he started all seven playoff games. Last season, he had a coming out party. And so, yeah, now he's having to adjust his role to now coming off the bench, now with DeJounte back. But even then, he's still effective, Joe. He's averaging about 13 points per game off that bench. He's also a plus seven net rating for the Spurs when he's on the court. And he gets significant more time in the second half of games, at least in the first three games. Um, so that's good that to know that Pop is going to him. Now, obviously, Joe and I got to make it very clear. This is a very small sample size, only three games. But what have you seen so far out of Derek White, Joe? Uh, one of my good friends has coined the phrase that Derek White 
is the people's MVP. Just much like the the Rock was the people's champ, Derek White mm-hmm. is the people's MVP because of the way he plays out there on the court. You know, he's very clutch in critical game situations, as we saw him in this last game against the the Portland Trailblazers. If it wasn't for his clutch play, meaning him being the uh, sole uh, person out there on the court, uh, knocking down shots for the San Antonio Spurs, the Spurs could have easily lost his game to the Portland Trailblazers. But thank God for Lonnie, I mean for Lonnie, for Derek being aggressive. Uh, and, you know, he just runs the, the offense efficiently when he's out there, especially with that second unit. He's yeah. great on defense. He knows exactly what to do. He might not be as fast as DeJounte, but you like the smart play of Derek White. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he just knows how to play the game. And I think that's what uh, gets him those minutes uh, every game, you know, from night to night with, with Coach Pop. Because if, if you don't know how to play the game the right way, Coach Pop won't leave you out there. So it says a lot with him trusting uh, Derek White. Joe, have you been surprised with the play of Trey Lyles, who's been getting the nod over Yaka Proto at the center position? That I have. I got to admit, you know, looking at Trey Lyles early on in the season, it's three games, Jeff. But there's, <laughs> I don't know, man. I see Trey Lyles out there. He's trying really hard. He does a lot of things out there on the court. The one thing that I want to see more of is I want to see him knock down some shots. I want to yeah. see him have some, some decent offensive production. I know that they have him out there for a reason. Uh, I'm going to trust in Pop. You know, I'm not going to question him. But you do want to see uh, some production out of Trey Lyles if he's getting the start. If the production's not there, it's a numbers game. The numbers don't lie. So if he's not doing a good enough job, I think it might be time to insert Yaka Portal and let's uh, go ahead and compare apples to oranges and see what the numbers look like. And if Yaka has, has better numbers out there on the court, I mean, there you go. You have to leave him in. So I think it's going to come to that pretty soon because – I got to admit, Trey Lyles isn't looking too good, even though we had high hopes for him. I, I don't know what the problem is. Well, I disagree a little bit, Joe. I think uh, Trey Lyles, for me, has been a little bit of a uh, kind of a bright spot or kind of a little bit of a good surprise. Uh, he had double figure rebounding. Uh, he seems to play well just doing the dirty work and letting LaMarcus Aldridge do his thing in the paint as far as scoring. Uh, he clogs the paint. He runs the floor excellently for a guy his size. And but you're right, you know that that outside shot needs to start falling soon. Um, look, it's, a, it's a, it was a low risk situation for the Spurs. Uh, you know they're bringing a guy who was a first round draft pick. Um, you know free agent. Uh, he you know he played with the Nuggets last season. You know he's eager to prove himself at at this level, and now he's getting that chance. And I don't mind having Jakob coming off that bench with the second unit as well to provide some defense because, you know, if they if Pop has to go to the, the second unit, again, there's Mills, <laughs> there's Bellinelli, and they're not really good perimeter defenders. And as of right now, at least two, three games, we've seen that combo out on the court. Somebody's got to, like, clog up that uh, paint, and that's where uh, Pirtle comes in you know, for the mistakes that maybe Bellinelli and Patty Mills do defensively on the perimeter. But all in all, you know, I've been a pleasantly surprised with Lyles. Um, good to see him uh, get the starting nod. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jakob uh, can just accept that role off the bench if Popovich continues to go with that lineup. We, we don't know. It's still early in the season. Joe, uh, the 3-0, that's a perfect record so far. But are you a little concerned about the fact that the margin of victories have been very slim? 
their biggest blowout game, quote unquote, has been nine points versus the Knicks. They barely eked out a three point win versus the Blazers. They eked out a two point win over the Wizards. Um, any concerns about that? Oh yeah, there's a lot of concerns about that because what the what the Spurs are showing you this early on in the season, again, it it all stems from the inconsistencies at the defensive front. And again, we had said that's because. Those are times that DeJounte comes off the floor because of his minutes restriction. The Spurs need to find a way to still keep playing defense at a high level. Just because one of your better defenders goes out of the game doesn't mean that you should stop doing what you were doing so well. So they need to find a way to, you know, come together and play consistent defense because that defense is what's going to win you games on the road. And if they can't rectify that, we might see that same problem that they had last year rear its ugly head, and you cannot do that. Uh, you can't fall behind uh, on the road against good teams in the West, you know, specifically right. against the game that's coming up with the Los Angeles Clippers. They can't go and be down 19 points early on in the first quarter, have poor shooting, get back into the game. Then you have the team right where you want them to let your foot off the gas, let them right back in. The only reason that the Spurs didn't lose that game against the Portland Trailblazers is because, thank God, Damian Lillard's shot fell out. It went in and it came out. So that was a little bit of luck. That's what we need. But I need the Spurs to play more consistent defense. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was more than luck, too, for the Spurs. Uh, yes, you got to thank the basketball gods for seeing that ball not drop through their hoop and force overtime. But uh, credit to the Spurs. Look, they came back from a 19-point deficit to take a nine-point lead. And, yes, I know, they blew a 19-point lead. They got it down always close as one or two versus the Blazers. Damian Lillard got hot. The Spurs' defense sagged. Um, he started connecting on uh, shots. And he was looking like the Dame Dollar that he is versus San Antonio. Popovich even said it himself after the game, saying that he just got loose from them. So there's that. But. It's a pros and cons thing, Joe, and I said this on social media yesterday. You can look at that that 19-point lead and then blowing it in two ways. One, kudos to the Spurs to erase a 19-point lead and get it back on the Blazers. But then you look at their resiliency and say, okay, look, they were resilient to come back. Uh, they didn't put their heads down. They steamrolled uh, the Blazers in the second half. But then you talk about the killer instinct for them blowing that 19-point lead and not stepping on the Blazers' neck and breaking it as they should have versus uh, Portland. Now, that could simply just be, you know, their, their chemistry, the young players out there. They just don't understand that yet. But, you, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You can look at it in a positive and a negative. I'm going to take the positives because it's early in the season. So I'm going to say kudos for the Spurs to be racing the 19-point lead showing that dogfight in them to come back and steamroll them, at least for a minute, and then uh, tough it out in the end and uh, get some key stops. Uh, Joe, how do you see the Spurs blowing and leading up 19 and then blowing it again? Again, you know, that was just hard to watch. It was, uh, it was upsetting. I got to tell you, you know, I was watching that game and I just couldn't believe what was transpiring in front of me. You know, the lapses on defense, you know, the – the inability to get back on the transition, you know, defense, and them not being the aggressors. Uh, they they almost lost this game in the fourth quarter with about two to three minutes left. They went from being very aggressive, driving to the rim, you know, imposing their will in the paint on the Portland Trail Blazers to standing around 
and settling for jump shots. And that's not going to win you games down the stretch. You have to be aggressive if your jump shot is not falling so you can get fouled and you can go to the strike. And most of the time, that's how close games are won on the free throw line. So the Spurs need to get back to being the aggressors and not taking their foot off the gas. Yeah, um, hopefully that will correct itself. Now, again, this is very young in the season. Uh, the Spurs should get on the same page. Look, it's, it's practically a brand new roster. You know, you've got Trey Lyle starting, DeJounte Murray back, uh, Derek White accepted a new role. Um, of course, uh, you know, many other pieces that are moving around. You know, Lonnie Walker, how is he going to fit in, et cetera, et cetera. So I think give it time. I think the Spurs will find a rhythm. And fortunately for them, there are three wins straight to start the regular season. And Joe, if you take it back to the preseason, they're actually on a five-game winning streak because they won the last two preseason game so uh, hey you know whatever works at this point now don't want to end on a negative here though but turnovers joe spurs been coughing the ball up quite a bit um what are your thoughts on that just simply uh chemistry issues i think it has more to them uh just making bad decisions with the ball you know they uh try to pass the ball force the issue at times uh you're not seeing a lot of you know screens coming out where you can see, okay, well, I'm going to set a screen. I'm going to have my guy come out and curl, and then I'm going to go ahead and pass him the ball. They're just trying to force the issue. They don't look crisp out there. They look a step slow at times. And, again, it's only three games into the season. There's still a lot of things that they're going to work on, and that will get better. I just think they really need to focus on passing and making better decisions at times. I think that's really what the issue is out there on the court, you know, trying to force the ball into, you know, I guess the, the, the inside a needle, you know, uh, the hole of a needle, you know, they're trying to thread it in there and you have two people guarding your, your, your guy that you're trying to get, you know, going to the rim and it turns into, you know, a turnover or you're, you're trying to get the ball and you're thinking, I'm going to turn around. Okay. Well, you need to focus on what you're doing and not think about turning around, focus on your, what you're doing with the ball first turn around and then get into your motion. I think a lot of the, the turnovers are, ha- are happening when they're trying to gather themselves, when they gather themselves and they're trying to, you know, squat down and turn around and jump or have that explosive jump to the rim. Those are where things are happening to them because it just seems like they lose their train of thought or their focus. So I need to see them be more consistent and just, you know, clean up those little details. I think that will help them tremendously with the turnover issue. Yeah, Derek White said it after the game um, that the Spurs team still needs some work to be done. And, uh, yeah, I think all teams are about that stage right now. I mean, it's at least for the Spurs, it's three regular season games in. There's 79 more games left on the slate. So that'll come in time. But uh, hopefully there's just early signs that the Spurs can look at or some stats, that is, and say, you know what, we got to fix this. You know, competition's going to get a lot stiffer as the season rolls on. Now, to end on a positive, though, the Spurs bench has been shining for me, uh, Joe. Uh, you look at last night versus the Blazers, uh, you know, really stellar 50 points uh, collectively from the Spurs second unit. We've seen that in a couple of other games start the season. Spurs bench is potent, and that just shows through their depth, Joe. Something that DeMar DeRozan noted in the preseason, saying that it was good going into the season with the amount of uh, depth that this roster has, Joe. Yeah, the the depth is, is a good thing to have. You know, we have a lot of guards, <laughs> and I think that's one of the one of the, the the reasons behind Lonnie Walker, the the fan favorite here, not getting a lot of 
a lot of minutes. But beyond that, you still haven't seen Damari Carroll get any minutes, you know, here uh, that are, are worth noting, you know, this early on in the season. I think he's more of the Spurs insurance policy. Uh, I want to see, you know, him out there. You haven't seen much of Shazemi Metu, you know, but again, you know, as the season unfolds, you're, you know that these guys will see minutes somewhere down the road. But you like the Spurs' depth. I think the depth that they have right now is going to carry them, you know, far into the, the regular season and also into the postseason, meaning that Pop can rest players at key moments, especially on back-to-backs. Uh, that way it keeps them fresh and injury-free and ready to go for the postseason. So I like this, uh, this depth that the Spurs are playing with. I think another team that's really good with their depth right now is going to be the Clippers. And if memory serves me correctly, Jeff, I think they're going to be playing them on Halloween night. So that's going to be mm, an interesting It's very them. spooky night. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi-Oline is what I call it. Kawhi-Oline. <laughs> Kawhi-Oline. That's what uh, Joe is calling it, Kawhi-Oline. Hey, Joe. The Spurs, all in all, like not to bash them, look, uh, they're they're three and zero, you know what, you know, undefeated. Um, you know, the competition will get tougher. Brent Forbes noted it uh, after the Blazers uh, win. I'm sorry, the win over the Blazers. Excuse me. So uh, hopefully, the Spurs will keep the positive mojo heading into their first road trip, which begins in Los Angeles this week versus Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. In a second, Joe and I are going to continue our chat, but we're going to put Demar Rosen in the spotlight. Let's continue our chat with Joe Garcia of Two Shots Podcast. And Joe, did you see that sweet-looking Tim Duncan jack-o'-lantern that we had on the Spurs zone? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, man, that looked so good. I thought it was Photoshop, but I'm like, I guess whoever did it had some really good skills, you know? There was a lot of detail yeah. on that thing. Yeah, for those of you who have not seen it, uh, basically, when it is Halloween season and uh, San Antonio artist uh, put together a jack-o'-lantern and in the image was uh, Tim Duncan, well, assistant coach Tim Duncan, um, with that spiky hair now look that he has, and um, pumping his fist up with a big old smile. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio Fox twenty nine San Antonio dot com. Joe Demar Derozan, second season with San Antonio, and so far so good. Now look, maybe the first three periods in his. Uh, second season with, in a Spurs uniform didn't go well. He went over uh, versus the Knicks for periods one, two, and three. But boy, did he come alive in that fourth when the Spurs needed him. He scored 10 points. Uh, same thing versus Washington. He had a really good game, but then fourth quarter came around, took over 10 points. And of course, again, versus the Blazers, he had himself a night. Um, Joe, I think it's safe to say that DeMar DeRozan is looking a little bit different this year. And in my opinion, he's looking a lot more aggressive, Joe. Yeah, that he is. He's playing uh, a lot more comfortable, I think, in the in year two with the Spurs. He's getting more comfortable out there in the Spurs system. But I got to tell you, I think what's attributed to his aggressiveness and him being able to score points uh, more efficiently has a lot to do with the Spurs guard guard play specifically with DeJounte Murray, you know, and what DeJounte Murray is able to do out there in the court kind of opens the game up a little bit more for DeMar DeRozan. And it looks like the Spurs are starting to utilize DeMar more efficiently as well because they're getting him in positions that will favor him as far as matchups. You know, he's able to get in ISO situations that are favorable to him 
where he can go ahead and do that crossover and get to the rim and, you know, either he's going to go and score a layup or he's going to get fouled and go to the strike. So you like all these things that the Spurs are doing with DeMar. Uh, right now, I believe he's, uh, what, he's averaging 22 points per game, which is, yeah. you know, tops with the Spurs right now. So that's a, a very good thing that you want to see out of DeMar DeRozan. Um, mm-hmm. So I like everything that he's able to do out there on the court this year. He looks like a, a man who is ready to play. You know, he looks like he's very comfortable right now. So I'm hoping the trend will continue and we see him, you know, score more than 22 points. I mean, he can score anywhere between 22 to 23. I think the Spurs are going to be fine. We don't need him to score 27 or 25 a night. I think if the Spurs rely more on some of the younger uh, guys that they have out there and the balance uh, of scoring is, is dispersed amongst the team, the Spurs will have a better chance of winning games, especially on the road, because what is it now, Jeff? You don't have to depend on Lamar. You don't have to depend on DeMar as much, you know, which means that the other teams are going to have trouble stopping the Spurs because it's not one or two people that you have to worry about. It's everybody. So I like that. Yeah, look, uh, heading into that game versus the Blazers, again, before the game versus Portland, uh, he was actually tied for sixth place early in the season in fourth quarter production offensively at 10 points per quarter. And what's even better is this, is that he's not settling for the mid-range as much, and obviously he can knock it down, but I've noticed that he's really attacking the rim, especially going baseline. He'll cut to the to baseline and just zoom right in and go for a layup, go for a dunk, or just try to get fouled. Uh, he's really taking guys off the dribble and going head on to that rim. And I think that's just great for him. Um, I think he's trying to show that he can also be an inside versus outside threat as well. Overall, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I think you're right, Joe. He's definitely benefiting with the return of DeJounte Murray. Uh, there's more floor space out there. When you have Bryn Forbes, who started his season hot, the team's got to honor that. And if he's there with Forbes, you know, that gives them a little bit more room to operate. Joe, not bad for a guy who, let's face it, his future with San Antonio is, as of right now, is uncertain. That it is, you know, because what, he's already 30 years of age, I believe, Jeff, uh, yeah. as of this season. Uh, he's a former uh, NBA All-Star who's also looking to get paid. You know, everybody's looking to get paid in this league. but. Will the Spurs throw a max contract deal no matter how good you are out there or what type of season you're having? You can't beat father time. So will the Spurs throw a max contract out at a former NBA All-Star who's 30 years of age? That's a tough question, Jeff. I think that's going to be a topic for another podcast, but the Spurs have a, a really hard decision ahead of them and what they're going to do moving forward with DeMar. Do we keep him? Do we trade him? I mean. What, what are what are the options? You know, what what happens if we decide to not keep you know not keep them and trade them? Who do who do we trade them for? You know, there's yeah. a lot of tough decisions. We'll just yeah. have to see how the season pans out. I know what a first uh, jump into being a uh, NBA GM that for Brian Wright <laughs> having to worry about the future of uh, Demar Derozan because you know let's face it you know he may be starting the backside of his career although it doesn't look like it but you know he's still of a potent scorer and he's still a good slasher and getting to the rims so there's that but joe the, the spurs not only they, they do have a they have a task ahead of them to know what to do with uh demar i mean last reports 
um, I, th- I believe it was the athletic uh, said that both sides were far apart in any type of happy middle. And so far it's been kind of quiet on that front, but fortunately uh, for the Spurs, you know, at least DeMar DeRozan is saying he's blocking it out and he's just go- plowing forward and playing well on that court. But you got to give him credit because he's balling out and he's not letting the distraction of his future with the Spurs interfere with his play on the court. If anything, Joe, he might be proving to the Spurs that he's worth their time and money, Joe. I think he is. You know, if uh, he continues this trend, uh, he is, like I said, averaging 22 points a game this early in the season, which is the tops, uh, you know, for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, The only thing that I worry about, Jeff, is if they're going to offer him a deal, it might not be the deal he wants. He might be looking for a five-year deal. Spurs might only be interested in offering him a three-year deal, meaning two years guaranteed, and that third one being a player option. I think that's about all they'd be willing to throw at him right now. And I think that's where the the two sides differ a little bit. You know, DeMar is looking more for a long-term deal, wanting to stay somewhere and, you know, really, you know, put his roots in in the city that he's going to play for. So, I don't know, man. It's it's a tough decision. I mean, I I like him. I think he's going to have a great season for the San Antonio Spurs, but I'm glad I'm not the GM having to make that decision. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but all in all, good start to the season uh, for DeMar DeRozan, less three quarters versus the Knicks. But hey, you know, he got back in rhythm and is looking good so far in this very early Spurs season. When we get back, Joe and I are going to continue our talk about your San Antonio Spurs. Let's go ahead and wrap up our chat with Joe Garcia of Two Shots Podcast. Joe, what is going on with Two Shots Podcast? I think you teased a little bit of a post-game thing y'all do now. Yeah, we're doing something called the Spurs Takeover. It's a post-game show uh, that we have after every Spurs game. And, you know, we're, we put a lot of tech into that. Now we're, you know, fully integrated with Discord, which is big with the kids is what I hear. That's what Jonas uh, Clark always tells me. So <laughs> better job of integrating that and. You know, we're going to be pushing some some technology out there that's going to be very interactive and bring a different level of, I don't know, a, a different experience for everybody. So that's what we're busy doing right now. And we're going to be rolling out a new Geek podcast soon. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. Good break uh, from Silver and Black NBA talk uh, that Joe and a bunch of guests, including myself, will be hopping on. Uh, Joe. You also do a podcast. That's what it's called, the Two Shots Podcast, correct? Yeah, Two Shots Podcast, you know, and everybody can go and check that check that out. And, you know, we talk about everything Spurs, sports, and entertainment. So you can follow us on social media, Two Shots Podcast, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now on YouTube. So make sure you go look for us on YouTube and subscribe and follow us. Joe, I'm pretty sure you're going to start testing out your pumpkin carving uh, skills, too. You're going to do one of Kawhi Leonard, right? I might do one of Kawhi, but it won't be one that's going to be tastefully done. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of Spurs fans would probably agree with you. And, hey, you know, Spurs first look at uh, Kawhi in a Clippers uniform. And, um, hey, as of this show, you know, the, the Clippers, you know, they lost the game. Spurs undefeated, so there's that, you know, but should make for a really good game. And what has this been lately? It's been Reunion City to start the season. You got, uh, say what you will, but technically it counts. You got 
Pau Gasol coming back to San Antonio. You had Davis Bertans uh, come back to San Antonio. Now the Spurs are going to be reuniting with uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, in L.A. So, whoo, what a way to start the season, huh? So much emotion. Then you started off with Marcus Morris and, you know, the treatment he got. What a way to start the season, huh, Joe? Yeah, what a way. You know, I could do without seeing the deuce on uh, on Halloween night. So it is what it, it is. I'll be watching the game. And how appropriate, right, on Halloween, the Spurs face. Their one-time savior, if you will, the next, the heir apparent, and now the public enemy number one, at least in San Antonio Spurs fans' eyes, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, as for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio, Fox29SanAntonio.com. Everything there about your silver and black. Uh, you, for you to just really enjoy, sit back, relax, and uh, read what's going on, including... Who won the rap battle between Sean Elliott and Matt Bonner? At least according to Damian Lillard. Go check that out. It's at the Spurs Zone. And of course, Locked On Spurs, part of the Locked On NBA Network. Subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcast. And if you're on iTunes, give us a bunch of stars. We appreciate that a lot. So for Joe Garcia, I am Jeff Garcia. And we're going to put a lot on this episode of Locked On Spurs. <laughs>